Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Bonnie Quinn. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Well, despite claims of ceasefire violations, more hostages have been released by Hamas. Ed Baxter has Global News in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, thank you, Brian. You're right. Twelve more. Ten Israelis, two Thai citizens. Bloomberg's Kaylee Lyons says the claims of violence came through loudly and clearly. According to the IDF, there were three separate explosions targeting Israeli troops in northern Gaza that were positioned in areas in which the ceasefire agreement was covered. There were subsequent shootings, according to the IDF, while Hamas also has said there had been violations of the truce agreement without further elaboration. Now, it's not clear at this time what that means for the overall state of the truth. There has been no indication of further fighting or escalation at this point. And Kaylee says that there are talks of more ceasefires now. Also worth noting this morning is Bloomberg's reporting that the CIA director, Bill Burns, along with the director of Mossad uh, from Israel, are in Doha for meetings initiated by Qatar that the Egyptians will also take part in to discuss potentially this truce extending even further beyond just this two-day extension. And aid? Well, Bloomberg's Rosalind Matheson says it is moving slowly. The aid comes in through these trucks through the Rafa crossing, which is at the bottom near Egypt. Uh, that traveling up to the northern parts of Gaza is pretty much impossible because Israel is really saying we don't want anything going into the northern areas of Gaza itself. So we know the humanitarian situation remains very dire. Yeah, the ceasefire is due to end on Thursday morning. China says it wants to renew its defense relations with Australia. The head of the Communist Party's international department, Shang Shaolu, saying the overture and making the overture, saying it's important that the two iron out their differences, saying there are possible concerns on both sides. Motion of the House formally introduced today to expel Congressman George Santos, made by Congressman Robert Garcia. House Resolution 114. Resolved that pursuant to Article 1, Section 5, Clause 2 of the Constitution of the United States, Representative George Santos be, and he hereby is, expelled from the House of Representatives. Now, Santos has responded. If this building, if this city put the effort to fixing our country the same way that they put on expelling me, we'd be in a better place. But this place is littered in political theater, and the American people are the ones paying the price. Yeah, Congress has 48 hours to act under the resolution. Donald Trump's civil trial has a defense calling an executive from Deutsche Bank. Bloomberg's Eric Larson says he's covering the trial and says managing director David Williams. Basically made the points that uh, even though uh, Trump did inflate uh, his asset values, uh, they, the bank just corrected that internally and granted him loan, uh, loans anyway. So basically, the bank knew what Trump was doing and that values were in fact inflated, but just just uh, did something internally and it was okay. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter. This is Bloomberg. 
Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. And we take a look at some of the top business stories now. Well, in the latest Fed speak, as we mentioned earlier, two Fed officials sounded a little less hawkish today, signaling that they could be comfortable holding interest rates steady for the moment. Here's Fed Governor Christopher Waller. I am increasingly confident that policy is currently well positioned to slow the economy and get inflation back to 2%. Separately, Fed Governor Michelle Bowman said that she remains willing to support Fed hikes if inflation progress stalls, but she stopped short of endorsing a rate hike next month. Both Waller and Bowman noted that there are still many uncertainties about how monetary policy is likely to unfold. And Brian, delegates say OPEC Plus is no closer to resolving the deadlock over oil output quotas for some African members. This has already forced the group to delay a critical meeting. More from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Those delegates say the Saudi-led alliance has not been able to reach an agreement with Angola and Nigeria, which are pushing back against lower quota limits for 2024 that reflect their diminished production capabilities. One delegate says the stalemate may not be resolved before the scheduled OPEC Plus meeting on November 30th, potentially requiring a further delay. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. Well, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand is expected to keep the country's cash rate on hold at 5.5% today, but the market is expecting easing by the middle of next year. Bloomberg's Paul Allen has more from Sydney. All 21 economists surveyed by Bloomberg see no change to New Zealand's cash rate today. Inflation did ease faster than expected to 5.6% in the third quarter, and that's led the market to start pricing in cuts from May 2024. RBNZ Governor Adrian Orr may push back on that at today's press conference, with the bank reiterating last month a higher-for-longer narrative. Orr may also face questions on the new government's plans to reform the RBNZ, including returning it to a single mandate of inflation tightening and a possible time frame in which to achieve its inflation targets. Paul Allen, Bloomberg Radio. Meituan shares tumbled 11% in New York trading after the company warned of slower growth ahead. Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann has more from Hong Kong. Meituan said growth would fall this quarter because of warmer weather. CFO Chen Xiaohui said people would likely dine out rather than ordering in. The prediction comes as a Chinese meal delivery company reported its third straight quarterly profit. Revenue was slightly better than expected. Sales rose 22 percent in the quarter, ending in September. Net income almost tripled to 3.59 billion yuan, but margins slid because of promotions. And the company said spending on promotions will rise further in the current quarter. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Radio. Meantime, in other earnings news, PDD Holdings surged 18% in New York after reporting a stronger-than-expected doubling of revenue. We get that story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. 
PDD is the parent of Chinese e-commerce platform Pinduoduo. The company reported a 47% surge in net income in the third quarter. Sales jumped to $9.6 billion. The strong results follow ramped-up discounts and marketing for its hit shopping app Taimu. Its growth also far outpaced Chinese rivals, including Alibaba. PDD's U.S. listed shares have soared 70% since July, while Alibaba and JD.com have tumbled. The outperformance reflects anticipation that Pinduoduo will continue to steal market share at home and win fans abroad as well. In Hong Kong, join Wong Bloomberg Radio. Charlie Munger, the man who helped Warren Buffett build Berkshire Hathaway, has died at age 99. Berkshire said Munger died on Tuesday at a California hospital. Now let's take a moment to reflect on the life, work and legacy of Berkshire Hathaway's Charlie Munger. For that, we go to a special report from Bloomberg's John Tucker. Charles Munger served as alter ego, sidekick, and foil to Warren Buffett for almost 60 years as they transformed Berkshire Hathaway from a failing textile maker into an empire. A lawyer by training, Munger helped Buffett craft a philosophy of investing in companies for the long term. And even as his partner became a worldwide celebrity, known far and wide as the Oracle of Omaha, Munger believed Berkshire's success would outlast Buffett's star power. In my opinion, Berkshire will flourish after Warren's gone. I don't think anybody is is essential given the momentum we now have in place. He didn't overstate his own importance either, sharing his vice chairman title at Berkshire in 2018 with two next-generation senior executives and affirming the company's commitment to a succession plan. I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Radio. The time is 11 minutes past the hour. Let's get to a little bit more on Charlie Munger with Noah Booyer, who is Bloomberg News reporter and has covered Berkshire Hathaway. Read your piece. uh, Very, very interesting indeed. What a one-two punch that Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger uh, were. Uh, Your thoughts on just sort of the legacy of, of Charlie Munger? Well, I think one of the biggest and most important things to know is that uh, Warren Buffett really credited Charlie Munger with teaching him uh, that he could invest in good businesses, that he could pay up for good businesses because they would be better um, than just, you know, finding uh, cheap deals uh, in the in the stock market or in, in um, private markets. And that really uh, turned out to be a huge part of the recipe for success at Berkshire. Um, you saw it in investments that they made uh, like in Coca-Cola or um, earlier in their career in, in businesses like Seas Candy, which uh, have just made a lot of money for Berkshire over the years. In the case of Seas, it, it generated a lot of cash that fueled um, Buffett's later investments that, uh, that we, we know more about. Yeah, I think the phrase that Warren Buffett used to say was that he told him, forget what you know about buying fair businesses at wonderful prices, instead buy wonderful businesses at fair prices. And it's great advice, as are all of the pieces of advice that, you know, we all hear from Munger. Did he have regrets, though, Noah? There were some investments he sort of wished he'd made, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, Look, there were always there were always things that uh, you know you would you would hear this at the at the Berkshire annual meetings of instances when they they said they had you know wished they had bought in on Google earlier or other other companies, but you know what really uh, set Munger apart is that he had such a long history with Buffett, um, and they really complemented one another and uh, you know uh, brought different things to the table as as Buffett's 
celebrity soared, uh, you know, Munger was very much a, a, a check on that and kept him grounded. Yeah, as you pointed out in your story, I mean, they did have differences, and one of the areas they had differences on was charity, giving to charity. Yeah, um, so obviously Warren Buffett has, has pledged to go, give away most of his, his wealth. Um, uh, a lot of it's going to foundations run by his children. A lot of it has gone to the Gates Foundation. But um, Munger, you know, has quipped at times that capitalist enterprises like, like Costco do more for, for charity than uh, some nonprofits do. Now, that's, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty controversial thing when he said it. I'm, I, I didn't get a chance to follow up with him on that. But I think that's, you know, that's uh, a lot of the way that he spoke and thought was, was to say unpopular things and to uh, question conventional wisdom. How much was Munger the decision maker, or did they always agree in the end, Buffett and Munger? I know at one point they said that they'd never had an argument because Munger said, Warren, think it over and you'll agree with me because you're smart and I'm right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think, I think the way to think about this is that uh, there's been an evolution at Berkshire over time. Certainly in recent decades, Munger has pursued some of his other passions. He was... Uh, you know, well known for being very interested in architecture, he uh, he made these donations to universities to build dormitories and other facilities, and you know got to got to fulfill his his dream of of playing architect on those. Um, and I, you know, it's not that he was uninvolved with Berkshire, but uh, the the relationship uh, changed uh, over over time, and the, the place grew, and Buffett brought on other people who were handling things day to day. I was just chatting with uh, with Tim Senevic and Carol Masser on this show, and they reminded me that uh, it was Munger that actually was very uh, encouraging of Buffett to take a look at BYD in China. So it was an interesting segue into uh, the primary area of focus for us, which we'll be looking at uh, at Asia today. I'm just curious if you have any interesting anecdotes about um, the relationship uh, between Berkshire Hathaway and BYD. Yeah, I um, I have to admit I'm I'm not super deeply informed on that, but I I know one of um, Munger historically had had invested uh, some of his money with uh, an investment na- manager named Lee Lu. Um, I believe that was who got him uh, introduced to BYD. And you're exactly right; it's uh, it's a part of the world, and um, that that Munger certainly. Uh, was interested in and studying from an investment standpoint earlier than Buffett. And he was never one for holding back. For example, he called Bitcoin noxious poison, and he defined cryptocurrency generally as partly fraud and partly delusion. We loved watching and listening and hearing from those annual general meetings, partially because, you know, the Buffett-Munger twofer was just priceless. Who will go on that stage with Warren Buffett next time, or will he have somebody else with him? Yeah, look, I think we'll we'll have to wait and see. Over over time, Buffett has brought in other senior executives at the company. Uh, Greg Abel is a is a natural one. He's the vice chairman in charge of everything but the insurance businesses. Um, we might hear more from Ted Weschler and Todd Combs, who are two investment managers that Buffett brought on uh, more than a decade ago now. And um, you know, I I, I think. Uh, certainly they'll have to change the format, but um, there seems to be a long 
time interest uh, by Buffett and just as a part of that corporate culture to allow shareholders a chance to ask questions of the, the company leaders. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Vonnie Quinn. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.